Yeah. Ready? All right, welcome to episode 68 of Convos in the Pedicab. We're here once again with the Travis County GOP chair, Matt Makoviak. Um, I'm wearing my mask right now. You know, the Delta, Delta variant is here, and so I'm, I'm masking up to help keep Matt safe from the virus. And, Good. you know, not since we're, we're on the subject, let's let's talk about this. It's, it's been a crazy week. You know, we a lot of us thought that we kind of um, – defeated the pandemic it was kind of one of those things that was going to fade into memory that was that that was at least a sentiment that they were trying to portray on television i know that this this virus especially for me and people like me it's becoming a big human rights issue and a big civil liberties issue in terms of government um and technocratic overreach and we got to be healthy we got to protect public health at all costs but our freedoms and unalienable rights as american citizens should never be compromised and that's my my big takeaway. Yeah, no, no, no question. Um, and look, the vaccine is a personal choice. Um, I did take it. I got the Johnson Johnson one shot vaccine. I want to say in January. Okay, uh, it was very successful for me. I had uh, no pain, no, you know, no problems. Uh, I'm grateful to the uh, Operation Warp Speed, everyone that was a part of that. I'm grateful to uh, you know everyone that, that that's been a part of this modern uh, of of American medicine. On the other hand, um, you know. I agree with you that, that, that it feels like it's been a little bit a little bit too heavy-handed in terms of government. Um, and in Texas, we have had more freedom here. Not maybe in the, at the city and the county level, but as a state, we've had more freedom here than we have in most yeah, states. And, and luckily, um, you have a governor who is preserving that freedom by overriding some of the yes. decisions that our city officials are making. Although, he could also be doing this because it's a political move and he's in an election year and you have a lot of people that are primarying him on those issues. So there, there is that, and that, that's, a, that's an area of concern that I think should get brought up sometime later on in this podcast if we have the time. But it is a good thing. Yeah, look, I mean, you know, the governor went to Lubbock, I forget when that was, three or four months ago, and, and said, look, the statewide uh, mask mandate is over. Yes. And, and, that now, and, and so he went to Lubbock because Lubbock didn't need a mask mandate. Right. And, 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 you know, 248 of the or 249 of the 254 counties didn't need it. Um, the urban counties are different. Um, but the problem is, is that we have tremendous overreach in these urban counties. Right. What they want to do. I mean, you're, you're ta- you see uh, city and county officials here talking about going back to mask mandates. Look, I, I think at this point, people are simply not going to do it, even if there is a mask mandate. Right. Some businesses are going to ignore it. Um, a lot of families and individuals are going to ignore it. I don't understand why anyone masks children at this point. No, it's, 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 it's almost child abuse, in my opinion. It, it's pretty close. Yeah, it's, it's child uh, We're almost at a point now where I don't even understand why, why airlines continue to require masks. I realize you don't have six feet of distance, but they're recirculating the air. There has been no COVID outbreak on planes. Uh, and I think we all know if you've been on a plane at all over the last year, most people don't wear masks the entire time. They pretend to drink their drink. They pretend to eat their food. You know, so, you know, look, part of this is if we're going to follow the science, let's follow the science. Schools ought to be, should have been open for over a year, right? There's absolutely no problem in schools. Uh, on the other hand, you know, we do need to take the Delta variant seriously. Uh, it is more contagious. Uh, it is ravaging unvaccinated people. That The stats are true. I think I just saw uh, of the, whatever it is, 2,000 or so people in Texas who've died uh, since February 8th, only 45 of them. Sure. We're, okay, but how many of them are unhealthy, we're, right? We're unvaccinated. Like, Great this question. Is, this is also, sure. you know, they say, oh, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And you look at England, I think, what, 40% of the people that are admitted into hospitals now have had the vaccine. So there is that statistic, which you got to um, be considered. Sure. There are these breakaway cases that are happening, and it seems to be happening amongst the vaccinated. And circling back, you know, no pun intended, you're the, the people that are getting super sick from this virus, maybe they're unvaccinated, but they're also unhealthy. 
Yeah, so that's not been the case with two of my friends here in Austin. This is just anecdotal. I, okay. I recognize All that. Right. So this is anecdotal. It's not uh, empirical. But I have two uh, two friends of mine, close friends of mine, that, that did contract COVID in the last, let's say, three weeks, uh, one of whom was pregnant. Uh, and that person believes they got it in Mexico when they were there for a wedding. Uh, the other... Uh, not sure how they got it. Could have been from the the friend that I'm the first friend that I'm referencing. In the first case, I can tell you that person really had a, a very serious situation. They were in an ER for several days. Uh, they were really at risk. It was very touch and go for a, for a little while there. Now, look, that's one example. And she's this person is not unhealthy. In fact, neither right. of them neither of them are unhealthy. They were both, I believe, unvaccinated. Let me ask another question. Yeah. Did they have COVID in the past? So uh, one of them believes that they did, uh, but I don't know that that's absolutely the second one believed that, that that they did. The first one had not had it before. Okay. So you know, look, there's there's so much about this COVID situation that's that's. That's got information on one side, information on the other. Like we, we think we have antibodies. If you got COVID, so I, I actually just took a test. I went. To, I had a doctor's appointment today. Yeah. And I took an antibody test yes. today, and so I'll find out if I have an active set of antibodies. Okay. But I honestly, I don't feel comfortable taking that vaccine yet. I understand. It took, it took nine months to make. It's still in an experimental use. Yeah. Um, generally speaking, early vaccinations are never the you never want to take the first batch of a vaccine that gets made. It's not even right. about being an anti-vax person. Although I'm skeptical generally i'm sure you've seen my tweets and what yes. i say i'm pretty skeptical about vaccines as a whole um but when it comes to this COVID stuff i'm not taking this I, I will not take this vaccine until a i feel as though i need to right b i see what the birth rates look like after a year or so uh c if there's any crazy long-term effects that start manifesting within the, the next six months to a year and um and D, whether or not they start making improvements to help mitigate some of those effects. Like my friend's mom got Jillian Barre syndrome from the Pfizer vaccine, I believe. Mm. Another friend of mine, her um, daughter has needs stents in her heart three months after that vaccine. And it's not to say, hey, don't get vaccinated. Like that, that's irresponsible, right? But I think that there's got to be a risk assessment. Yes. I mean, there's got to be a risk assessment. I think before you get the vaccine, if you, that's what you choose to do, which it should never be mandated. We should yes. do everything that we can. Um, and fight to the death to never let that become a mandate. Yes, I, um, I oppose government mandated. Yeah, this, this should be this should never be mandated yeah. under any set of circumstances. This is something you have wide scale protests in the streets if they try to mandate this. Yeah, but that that being sorry if I'm ranting, but that being said, um, there are ways that you can still protect yourself and your loved ones from COVID if you don't want to get vaccinated. And one of those things you can do is if you have insurance and if you can see a doctor. You can take a test to see if you have antibodies because the antibody test will be covered. Yes. And it's very easy to get a COVID test almost anywhere you go. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, get a test once a week. Sure. And then once you're positive, you're like, okay, well, I guess I got the virus. Uh, don't need the vaccine for a little bit because now I'm Well, not, not only that. Once you get it, you have to quarantine because yeah. right? you're very contagious and you don't want to get people around you sick. But look, you make some good points. And I agree with you, number one, should never be mandated. Number two, it's a personal choice. Number three, that people should talk to their medical professionals about whether it's right for them, what the risks might be. The problem, Alex, and I say this respectfully as someone who considers sure. you a friend, the problem yeah. with your mindset is if the vast majority of people looked at it that way, right, we would never reach herd immunity. And the only way to really contain COVID is to reach herd immunity. Now, some people think we're already there. If you take everyone who's already had it, you take everybody that's taken at least one shot, you're pretty close to 70, maybe 75% of the country. Close. I think in America, we are very close considering how many people got COVID. And you also look at how the, the cases are spiking now. Yeah. What, what, are the, what does a spike this year look like compared to the spike last year? I, yeah, it's obviously far less up to this point. But I, my, my understanding is it is the trajectory is concerning. 
Um, and it's concerning, and you know yeah. what? They're talking about it. It's being addressed. People are going to maybe be a little bit more careful. You're probably going to see more, hopefully, older and unhealthier people getting vaccinated. And I, I was talking to an ER doctor uh, yeah. uh, uh, last Friday night uh, that I went to college with, and um, he is truly concerned. Absolutely, truly concerned. And we actually talked about three groups of people who are disproportionately less vaccinated than the rest. And these are statistical facts. These are not opinions. The first is Republicans. Yeah. We have an anti-vax kind of uh, mindset in our party. Some of this is driven by Trump's refusal to even admit he's been vaccinated if he has. No, he, he admitted it. He, he got vaccinated. I don't know if that's true. Okay, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But either way, uh, you know, a much larger percentage of Republicans have been vaccinated than Democrats. So let's start with that. Republicans sure. are the first group. The second group are African-Americans. And, and, and I don't know if that's access. I don't know what no, that, that's health there's insurance. A if there's, there's, a, there's skepticism about the, how the government has treated them, considering how the government's treated them. They yes. Are, yeah. Okay, look, lots, lots, of, lots of potential factors there. And then third is women who are uh, of an age that they still won't have children. Yeah. So you could call it maybe 20, 23 to, to 40 or 45. Uh, I've, I've run into a number of women in that age group, friends of mine in Austin and other cities that don't, that's your point, don't. Uh, feel like they are confident that the vaccine won't affect fertility. Yeah. And so and th those three groups are at the highest risk right now because they're the least vaccinated groups in our country well, that, and they're the most at risk to this Delta that's, variant. And that's, and that's fine. And I think that you should be able to safely assume that risk and make an assessment based on what your needs are at this point. Look, absolutely. I'll, I'll say this. Every single person can live life as risky as they want as long as it doesn't affect anyone else. True. Right? You want to drive 140 miles an hour on the road knowing you can break the law, knowing you may be putting yourself at risk, that's fine. If you hit another car, you're, then, you're, the, yeah. then you, 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 may, you may be charged with vehicular manslaughter. If you get uh, COVID and you go get on a plane knowing you have it, um, I imagine that's a That's a crime. But Absolutely. You know, you know, fun fact, though, you're actually um, – that's not the case with HIV in California anymore. Well – that's ridiculous if that's, that's true. Yeah, that actually I mean, that's is absolutely true, yeah. ridiculous if that's true. That is actually true, yeah. yeah. This guy named Scott Wiener like, issued some bill saying that um, if you have HIV and you knowingly give HIV to someone, it's not like a felony anymore. It's like a misdemeanor or something like crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even. I don't even know to say. I don't even know. I don't it's even know to say something yeah. like that. Yeah, it makes. And no then the sense. guy says, "We all need to get vaccinated, and we need vaccine passports or whatever." Yeah. And I'm like, right, well, you, "You're the one." Yeah, you're the one that yeah. like says it's okay to give people HIV. You want one or the other, but not both. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And that's my concern. And, and one of the reasons I want to have you on, and we're going to talk about the police stuff because that, that's important. Yeah. I think m my reason for it and your reason for it might be a little bit different. Maybe, yeah. But it, I think it's still important. Um, but, you know, let's say the the government does start becoming like o override, like becoming overreaching and becoming a little more power hungry. They've, they've had a history of doing that this past year. And they try to really get aggressive about how they crack down on doing things with vaccinations. Yeah. Right? Let's say... Greg Abbott, you know, gives into public pressure. Let's say, like, the, the media starts hammering this COVID shit down people's throats like they, like they did last year. They do the same thing again. They try to manufacture consent. They create a fear-based narrative. How are you, as the GOP chair, how are you going to mobilize other conservatives to stand up to this? Because this is, in a way, it's kind of tyrannical. How, do, how are you going to mobilize these people to stand up to tyranny? Because there's a lot of people that, that change the way they voted as a result of this pandemic. I never voted Republican, Republican, dude. I didn't, I wasn't planning. I didn't think I was going to vote for Donald Trump this past fucking year. I didn't think I was going to vote red down the ballot. You know, I didn't think I'd be like, you know, I didn't think we'd become friends 
last year when all this shit was happening. Yeah. Right. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to try to help get Mackenzie Kelly elected, you know, you, uh, to, to city council. Like, I didn't think I was going to do any of that shit. Sure, okay. Sure. Um, the reason I'm doing this is because I don't want another lockdown. And I saw the group that was fighting that. And I don't want to be forced to have to get vaccinated or show a, a passport to go from point A to point B because sure. of the technocratic and the pharmaceutical and the human rights violations, maybe not this vaccine, other vaccines in the future and other yeah. procedures in the future will entail. Like, what are you guys going to do to fight that if this actually starts getting out of hand? It's a great question. Um, and I would say that, look, I think the public has awakened to a lot of things you're raising, right? Uh, I don't think that, look, last year there was a lot of fear. Was it last year? I guess it was last yeah, year. Yeah, it was last year. Okay. There was a lot of fear last year. And, and, and remember, we got to put yourself back in that mindset, right? There was a real, real fear that our hospitals were going to become overrun and that there was not going to be capacity uh, uh, you know, enough hospital beds and ERs, right? If you get to that tipping point and it keeps spreading, right, you have an absolute crisis on your hands. That was what they were trying to avoid. Now, do I think they handled it right? Do I think the lockdowns were too long? Yes. Do I think they crushed small business and benefited big business? Yes. yes. I mean, do I think they were, they were stoking fear? Yes. Uh, do I think some of the stuff is way over the top? Yes. Do I think people, most people, are going to accept that again? No, I don't. Uh, and I will say this. If I asked you, and I hate to do this in a partisan way, but if I asked you to name one Democrat elected official at the local, county, state, or federal level that stood up to the things you're, you're identifying, right, the lockdown culture, the shutdown of the schools, the fear-based they, narrative, they, you can't they, find one. They perpetuated one. it. They're Absolutely. The one, they perpetu What's up? Yeah, they, to what you were saying, um, they perpetuated that. But, and that, that's why myself and I know a lot of, people change the way they they voted there's a new type of conservatism now that's taken place as a result of this pandemic yeah the, um, look, the question is liberty yeah it is the only question that needs answering right who will defend liberty who will promote liberty who will stand up for liberty especially when it's unpopular yes especially when it goes against the narrative against the power structure now we want to be smart right sometimes there, there, sometimes there's a contrast or a conflict an inherent conflict between public health and liberty and that's why I went back to that issue of the hospitals being overrun. That was a short period of time. We were facing a global pandemic that was spreading very fast that we didn't understand very well without a vaccine. That lasted for a few months. We got past that. We got, we got shots in arms. We're reaching herd immunity. We, did, we do have this variant now we have to take seriously. And look, it's my, you and I may be different, different on this. I would encourage everyone to strongly consider taking the vaccine. Everyone out there. That's my view. Sure. That's, that's the conclusion I've come to. You talked about risk. I don't want to live the way that you've described where I have to get tested every once a week just to see if I have it, to see if I have antibodies. I, I've taken it. The odds that I get the Delta variant are very low. I've traveled extensively the last six or, or seven or eight months. I feel very safe doing it. And, and that's just me. That's the decision I made. Sure. And There's I've taken some risk by taking the vaccine, and you've taken some risk by not. By not. And so you evaluate that for you, and, you, and I, I evaluate that and for And I think that that's, that's the consensus that we have to be. We can't be pushing things onto each other. Sure. And if I've been, like, pushing, like, anti-vax, like, say, hey, don't get the vax because it, this, it's going to hurt you, and it's going to yeah. be – it's not. It's a depopulation device. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, right? Like, I think you should be open to perspectives. You should pay attention to the risk factors. You yeah. should make calculated risks. But I don't want to be pushing, like, um, harmful shit onto people that's going to kill them by mistake, right? Of I don't want to do that. But I also don't want to, you know, show for big pharma either or push a product – that where the manufacturer has almost no liability or push a product that could, you know, like, let's say I push you to get this vaccine and then all of a sudden have you become paralyzed on half your half the side of your body. Like Eric Clapton got paralyzed for two weeks when he took that. Craig Jones, the third ranked Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, fighter in the world, had a big cyst on his stomach 
right after getting the shot. You remember that, you know? Like, th these things are happening. So I don't want to be telling people, I don't want to shove something down somebody's throat. And then what if a loved one or a friend of mine has a really bad side effect from that? There's two factors in this. You got to be honest. You got to be in reality when sure. you have this discussion. Um, and to your point about this vaccine stuff, do you know a percentage of the third world has been vaccinated? Oh, it's very, very low. I know the Caribbean, it's almost, it's, it's like 15%. less than 5%. Yeah. 15% of the total third world has had this vaccine. So even if everybody in Austin yeah. or almost everybody in America gets vaccinated yeah. and we keep letting people into the country because we, we have a global system of how we do things Every, yeah. you know, throughout the world. It's, everything's very globalized. People move in and people have a very free range of motion to Fair go from movement. point yep. A. Yeah. It, there are good things about it. There are bad things about it. But when there's a virus going on. Yeah. And only 15% of a large segment of our population is moving about wherever they, wherever they can. Yeah. How does my getting vaccinated even really do anything in terms of variant spreading? That's a when good, you like, yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, you know, and then you look at the president as he's letting anybody in. Yeah, you're, you're not seeing a lot of in-migration from the third world except on the southern border, Which and that's is, obviously been a problem, yes, and, and, from and the that third, affects Texas. And you have people from the third world. It's not just people from Mexico coming in. Right. There was videos it's of OTMs. people from fucking Ghana and like all over Africa it's, and everywhere coming. Yeah, coming it's in, right? o o they're called OTMs other than Mexicans, and, and they're not just from Central America. You're right. They're from all over the place, including places like Iran and North Korea and, and, and you know, a state sponsors of terrorism. So, so that southern border challenge is, is profound. Yeah. People, people do not understand how bad it is on the southern border. If you haven't uh, followed Brandon Judd from the National Border Patrol Council, I encourage you to do that. If you don't follow Brandon Darby on Breitbart, Texas, uh, who's a very serious guy who follows this southern, this southern border stuff very closely. Uh, Tony Gonzalez, the congressman who has, I think, more more miles of the border for, than anyone. I want to go like, down there. It's really, really, really are bad. You, you should. I'm happy to help you. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. If you ever go down there, let me go. Let me know. Uh, would, we'll and if you want to go, I'm be happy to put put a, put, a, put a trip together or put get you on a trip of other people going down. I want to go and see for myself and really understand it because I don't want to be making hyperbolic statements without. No, it's you know, it's really it's really there. bad. I've talked to a lot of people who did been down there, members of Congress, uh, members of the legislature, law enforcement officials. Uh, the fentanyl that they're uh, that they're uh, interdicting at the border is is stunning. Um, the property crimes that we're seeing, you have to understand that this whole system uh, is a system that funds cartel activities. Cartels uh, basically operate human smuggling operations throughout Mexico. They put desperate immigrants from the Golden Triangle countries in the, who, who cross the southern border of Mexico into Mexico. They put them on trains. Uh, on the top of trains or in, or in, or, in, or in train cars overnight, uh, many of them, the women are getting raped. It's it's absolutely absolutely documented at this point. Those who survive get to the border. Uh, they pay a certain amount to a coyote to take them across, and that money goes right into funding cartels. Uh, I mean, it is it is absolutely awful. And then what it's doing to these communities on the other side of the border is it's pressuring uh, their public health systems, their public education systems, uh, their private property rights, their law enforcement. They're not equipped to handle this massive influx that, that's coming in. You could also get a flood of this of these types of people into Austin because sure. of who the DA is. You, you could. know, like, like you could very, very realistically wind up seeing a flood of this type of stuff right in Austin, Texas. And, then, a, and, then, yeah. and if they're also, I doubt that they're really testing or properly vetting people for COVID. And if this is yeah. happening right now while, while they're trying to impose more restrictions, and then this is happening at the same time, like, what do you think the reaction is going to be about everything? Like, this is, all this is doing is just trying to, is turning everybody extremely right wing in a lot of ways. No, you, you raise a great point uh, for all the restrictions they're trying to put on Americans in, in the United States, uh, where we have pretty good public health to begin with. 
because we have a great system here yeah. and we're very fortunate. Uh, they're not putting anywhere near those kinds of restrictions on people who are entering the country legally or illegally, especially those entering illegally. So you're right. Um, that, that is a real issue. Uh, and I wish we had operational control of the southern border. Whether you agree with it or not, this is a big part of why Governor Greg Abbott is focused on this issue. And whether he'll be able to actually build a border wall, I, I don't know. There's eminent domain issues. There's massive cost issues. There's all kinds of, yeah. of concerns there and, and risks there and, and, and challenges. Sure. But, but, then but if the federal government refuses to do it, the state of Texas is gonna is gonna try to do it. Okay, but then just just to yeah. what you were saying, I'm watching videos where they're just walking right through. Oh, I know. And this is in Texas, like that, well, we that, that's not a good look for Abbott, man. We don't have a we don't have a wall over the entire side of the border. But that's th th there was a literal fence, and they're opening the door. Yeah, like that's not a good look for our governor when that shit's happening. There's no question. There's no question that that, that, that videos like that exist. Uh, and that if you focus on, look, what you have to do is you have to build the border wall in the urban areas and you have to use a virtual, basically a virtual wall, right? right a layered system of, uh, of personnel, of technology in the rural areas. If you cross the border in a rural area, you're still 30 or 40 or 50 miles from a city, right? So just because you crossed doesn't mean you're going to get somewhere where you can hide, right? In the urban areas, you can blend in in a city almost right away. Yes, that, that's true. That, that, that is that is something you can't argue with. All right, let's pivot to this police stuff. Sure. I think we talked about COVID. I, I, I kind of, you know, shared what I was frustrated about. Yep. Um, I want to talk about the police stuff, then we're going to go back to the, the voting stuff. Sure. Um, so you, you, you got a petition in. We did, and, and I don't do this through the Travis County Republican Party. That's a volunteer thing that I do on the side. It's not really central to, to, to who I am or what I do. It's one thing that I do. Uh, as, as many of your, uh, your audience members know, and as you know, uh, I've been working with my, my counterpart, Cleo Patricek, for over two years as, as co-founder of the nonpartisan Save organization Save Austin Now. You got Prop B passed. We got Prop, really good. We got Prop B passed, reinstating the camping ban. Uh, we can talk about that and, and enforcement if you want. Yeah, but they're starting to slowly do it. It's good. It is. Well, the Austin Police Department has said we've seen a 20% reduction in tents. Uh, I'm not satisfied with that because we passed 58-42, 91,000 votes, uh, overwhelming victory. They're trying to build a campsite. I live on Convict Hill Road, actually. Well, let me just on tell you right now. Yeah, let me just so. tell you, that location is a disaster, and let me explain to you why. So that, not that Convict Hill Road uh, location, which they announced four days ago, is three-tenths of a mile from a middle school. It is next to a walking trail. It is nearby a daycare center. It is, with, it is less than a half mile from four churches. Uh, and it's right in the middle of a neighborhood. I mean, literally, you almost could not next throw a dart. Next to churches isn't the worst thing because maybe that could be a good thing. You could have church. services, potentially. Yeah, yeah. That's right. But, but the other area, the other issues there are significant. And, and, and look, you, we don't, no one would want, no one should want a regulated homeless encampment in a neighborhood. Around, surrounded by a neighborhood. No, fuck that. That's a terrible it's idea. It's a terrible yeah, idea. I mean, you almost, idea. almost could, if you threw a dart at a map blindfolded, you almost are, are guaranteed to have found a better location than the location they found. So we are going to fight that through Save Austin Now. We've already started. Okay. We're going to try to defeat that location. We're not against everything. We believe that these locations need to be put in areas that are safe, not close to schools, not close to, to daycare centers, not close to nursing homes, not close to neighborhoods. You want them close to services, wraparound services. You want them close to public transportation so they can get to work. They have to be self-enclosed and safe ha and, and have police on site and all of those yeah. things. And even if it's close to school, having it near high school where like you, the kids get extra credit or like volunteer credit or some kind of stuff, to volunteer might be something to do, but like it shouldn't be close to a middle school or an elementary school. That's fucking bananas. The problem with it being close to a school is that we do know that drug and alcohol abuse is a big part of the problem oh, among yeah, the homeless then, community, okay, right? And so I, if I they see. get out, they get out of the encampment, right? And they get close to kids walking into school, walking out of school. That's where you have start to have problems. Yeah, right. We have to be lot. thoughtful that about this. That is true. That is true. There's, keep there's keep, keep one thing in mind, Alex. Okay, they've they, they've identified seventy eight encampment sites. 
they have now admitted that 76 of them cannot work, right? That's a 97% fail rate. Okay, now we're saying actually no, the 77th site that you listed is also not a good not a good yeah, idea, exactly. and we're gonna work we're gonna work very hard no, to I defeat it. I understand that. All right, but you got the police thing on. Yes, right? the police we did. Thing. We um, worked for 55 days to do this. All right. We just turned in on Monday 25,600. How many do you need? 20, the city has to certify that you have 20,000. How do you know that they're actually going to do that? Because you so had a history of, we, of, sending, yes. of sending petitions in, and the city has also had a history of yeah, so trying to not do everything they can to not put your petition through. Here's how I know this time. So that first petition where we turned in 24,500, we did not self-validate. Okay. We, they said we were 900 short. The second petition on the homeless, we self-validated. We turned in 27,000. They came back and said 26,103 are valid, 97% validity rate, highest in the history of the city. We just turned in 25,600, all self-validated. We're going to have 95, 92% valid. So I'm highly confident we'll be when on the ballot November 2nd. We'll know, uh, I would say, in about a week from now. It takes, seven, it takes 10 to 12 days, and we just turned in four days ago. Okay, let's, let's hope. Um, but but we got to talk about the issue, because yeah. the issue is, uh, is fundamental. Let's talk about it. Let's talk. Go. It's fundamental. I know you're concerned about a police state. I've seen some of your tweets about that, <laughs> and I get it. I know you're just, like, half kidding. I'm not half kidding, but all right. All right, all right. And we can talk about that. Right. We can talk about that. But look, at the end of the day, we have a police staffing crisis in our, crisis in our city, do. and it is absolutely urgent. You see this? You're on the streets? I'm downtown. You're people downtown. Gonna, yeah, I'm downtown. I understand this completely. Okay. Well, your audience may not. So I just want to take, take a second to make sure people understand this. We're 390 police officers short of where we should be for a city of our size. We have 165 police vacancies currently. We're shutting down specialized units, the anti-gang unit, the DWI enforcement unit, the traffic enforcement unit, the, 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 the sex crimes unit, the, the, the lake enforcement unit. All five of those units have either been drastically cut or, will, or shut down or will be. Uh, we now are, have seen a 25% a increase in in 911 priority one call response rates with seven and a half minutes when the year began it's now nine minutes and on the weekends it's like 13 or 14 minutes so you look at you look at the the, the effect of all of that on violent crime and it's profound this weekend we will with almost surely uh, break our or tie our all-time record for homicides in one year and we still have five months left 48 in one year which we had last year uh, violent crime stats through the roof aggravated assault battery arson stabbing rapes all up at least 20 percent fastest rate in five years so We've got to hire more police. And our, unfortunately, our mayor and our city council, with the exception of Mackenzie Kelly, are not on that page. They're playing games. They're playing word games. They want to reimagine public safety. The uh, city of Austin's never been less safe than it is today. And the staffing crisis is getting worse because of attrition. We're at 2008 staffing levels right now when our city was 45% as large as it is today. At the end of the year, on the current trajectory, we're going to be at 1998 levels when we were 25% as large as we are today. Fewer police does not mean less crime, Alex. Fewer police means fewer crimes investigated, fewer crimes charged, fewer criminals convicted, and that means more crime. Yeah, I know. And then you have a DA that tosses everything, so it, it skews the numbers, it skews the, it's the, the statistics. It's I am worse, fully yeah. um, agreeing with you. Like, you don't, you're not hearing me argue no. this with you. Um, what I'm saying, though, is that we know what the reaction is going to be. This is like, like Austin's like for being a chill city. It's also in many ways a very high strung city where if people get upset or people get scared, people are very, very quick, probably more so, I think, than in other cities to really act and accept things based on extreme amounts of fear. People accepted and advocated for lockdowns last year because of extreme amounts of fear. Um, people accepted and supported defunding the police based on extreme amounts of fear. And now people are going to go, are, are trying to go very quickly in the opposite direction because of the backlash of how defunding occurred. People 
overwhelmingly voted for Prop B because of the backlash of the homeless stuff. You know, like this is a, a city that responds very much to fear. And if we don't um, staff the, our police officers the way they need to be staffed for how the city is growing, and you can yes. say what you want, because I have friends who are like very left wing that are like, man, fuck the police. And I'm just like, why would you want this? And I'm like, ex- because of exactly what you said. You don't understand what the backlash of this is going to lead to. No. And eventually, if this doesn't pass, right? If you don't get more police officers, if, if the crime continues to increase, to keep going the way that it's going, two things are going to happen. A, you're going to start involving the federal government and the ATF and all these federal agencies in Austin politics, which are going to make policing a lot worse and a lot more oppressive. And B, they're going to ha- they're going to start contracting with either the federal government or some private security or or um, big tech firms to install cameras on every single corner, as many corners as they can throughout the entire city in order to monitor crime and deal with the low as a way to quote unquote compensate for the low staffing. And you have a lot of people in the urbanist community that would probably advocate for something like that. Well, keep, keep one. Does, of that, the, does that make sense? It like, does. It does. Keep one other thing in mind here, right? Um, when you are, when you have a staffing crisis like we have, and you have longer response rates and fewer cops on the streets in the neighborhoods, who do you think that hurts the most? Hurts people in it, poor communities. Exactly. Yeah. Doesn't hurt Terrytown. Terrytown's fine. Terrytown will always be fine in West Austin. Yeah. Right. It's honestly where we are right now. It's East Austin. It's Southeast Austin. It's yeah. Northeast Austin. It's South Central Austin. Right. The West Side is always going to be safe. That's just a reality. I'm not. I'm not stating an opinion. I'm stating a fact. Um, now it's less safe than it was. The West Austin is, but it's a hell of a lot less safe over here, and that hurts working class people in working class neighborhoods and working class families. And honestly, this is the reason why. Cleo Patricek is as committed to this as she is. You got to remember, my friends like what I'm doing. Her friends don't like yeah, what she's doing. Di- yeah. She takes more abuse, more negativity, more criticism than anyone I know. She's got 100 times more courage than I do. But she's in this because she sees how these policies are affecting families and working class areas. Yeah. If you look at San Francisco, nobody goes downtown. No. So, you know, if... And we um, can't have that in Austin. You can't have that because this, have that this here. affects how I make a living. Well, not only that, right? yes, not only that, it affects everybody. Look, it affects, Austin it is I, I our economic own, seed corn. Yeah, I, I have friends who own bars, who own a lot of, who own, like, businesses down here. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't get a certain clientele that wa- that feels comfortable visiting yep. those businesses, and you have a, the astronomical tax rate, and the, the costs continue to go up and up and up yep. and up and up and up and up, what is going to happen to our city? The margin, you know this, most people don't. The margin in these bars is actually very, very, very narrow. And we've had a lot of bars close over the last year. Um, these bars uh, really got hurt hard during COVID. They were shut down. When they reopened, they were they reopened for a little while. They had to reclose again. Now they're having trouble hiring people. They don't have, you know, they, they can't survive a downtown crime wave where people don't feel like it's safe. Keep in mind, Alex, and you I, know this because you're down here. Yeah. Three of the last four Fridays. We've had, we've had a shooting that's left at least one person dead Dude, I, at 6th and Trinity yeah, I, on Dirty you know, Fun fact, I was on 6th and Trinity like 10 minutes before that even occurred. Yeah. I was like, I, I saw the tweet from like Johnny K or something, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm like literally packing up right now. This is. I was at Barbarella, and I never go to East 6th. I was at Barbarella an hour before that shooting. It's a fun spot, occurred. though. It is a fun it's spot. It's a fun spot. I, I, it is, and I agree. It is. But I don't go to Dirty 6th anymore for, for, for a lot of reasons, but that's the primary reason. Uh, but, but, we, but that's a shame. That's a shame, right? It's a shame. It's a shame that Austin isn't really the live music capital of the world anymore because our music venues are closing. It's a shame that, that when you think of Austin, you think of 6th Street, and 6th Street is not what 6th Street once was. Yeah. It's just not. 
And, and so we have an opportunity, I think, to, to make Austin the best, single best place to live, work, and raise a family. That's what Save Austin now is focused on, quality of life, standard of living issues, not partisan issues, not right-wing or left-wing things, Comedy's mainstream, a, mainstream things. Yeah, comedy is going to make a comeback, though. This, is, this, this could be the comedy capital of the world with how things are going, though. Well, totally the, unrelated, but this could very the, well be the We comedy. have a lot of comedians moving here, as yeah. you know. Joe Rogan started Tony that. Hinchcliffe, like all, yeah, Tony Hinchcliffe. Tony uh, Hinchcliffe. We have uh, Ron Tater White that lives here on Rainy Street. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. You're going to start to see these venues pop up. In fact, I think Rogan may have just bought a, a large venue that he's going to turn into something for that, that, that purpose alone. So and that's exciting. And we do have a lot of exciting things happening in Austin, right? We have, yeah. we have Tesla, we have Google, we have Facebook, these major employers that are, gotta, that are investing it, a lot. you got to make it equitable. And if you don't um, make the streets safe, if you don't, no. if you don't address like, public health and public safety, then it's only going to be equitable for the very rich. That's and right. There's going to be a huge divide. And you want, you want people like me to be able to benefit while the city's growing. 100%. If, you, you, if people aren't feeling safe to go, down, right. to go downtown, um, yeah, the very rich will find their little exclusive spots. But then people like me, how yeah. much money am I going to make giving – you know, giving people rides to six you when only when but one fourth the of people are going. Yeah, yeah. or the yeah. type of clientele that comes down there doesn't have the money to pay me. Like, or right. I have to worry about getting like robbed by a certain. Per- you know, like yeah. there's all all this shit that we're not even close to getting there. But I, I'm worried that we are headed in that direction and we should stop it before it starts. We have a hundred. So, you know what I mean? We, yeah, we have 103 days to November second. And we will be prop A on the ballot. I don't believe there will be any other local props. The the weed thing failed. They didn't did get the signatures. That, that's kind of weird, right? Cause ask Julie thinking, Oliver. Ask Mike Siegel. They're the ones behind it. I, I don't know, know how it, it failed. Odd, right? it, like, it's kind of odd. And I, I can give some reasons why I think that was on the ballot. Sure. They were trying to. They were really trying to swamp us with the kind of voters that would probably oppose what we're doing. Yeah, that's exactly. So it was, it was politics because exactly the actually the, the weed thing is already already policy. It's they wouldn't have even had any effect. Uh, it was just really a messaging thing more than anything else. They're playing political games. They failed. And we don't even do not no knock warrants anyway. I've talked. We don't. Them, I was like, we don't do that we don't. anyway. Like what's the what's the point? What of What are they even doing? Yeah. Yeah. And listen, this is one of the things. Look, we do things that matter, Cause right? Like, the cause camp, I'm, the camping ban, yeah, deep, because turn, overturn, defund the police through a minimum staffing requirement. These are things that, that actually matters, matter. Yeah, and to be honest, if that thing was on a ballot, right? If it made it the ballot, I'd be like, I wouldn't vote against that stuff. But I'm like, but I know why you're putting it on the ballot. So that's why I wouldn't want to sign it. You know, Let does me that make sense? You, yeah, it does. Let me tell you one other thing about why I'm so motivated about this. You know, our police officers uh, put their lives in line for us every day. I know that sounds like a like a bumper sticker, like a you know one liner. It's real. It's very real. I was talking to somebody who just went on a um, uh, went on a ride along downtown on a weekend night. The police officer he was with for seven hours makes fifty five thousand dollars a year and pulled his gun five times in one night. Drew his weapon five times. Didn't fire it, but had to draw his weapon. Okay. Now let me really let me really really sober you up for a second here. In according to the Austin Police Association, ninety six percent of scheduled uh, shifts right now are not fully staffed. Okay, so when a shift is scheduled, maybe it's DTAC downtown on a Friday night. It's supposed to have X number of officers. Ninety-six percent of the time, they don't have enough officers to fully staff the shift. So what does that do? It puts every single police officer at greater risk on that shift than they should be because it's not fully staffed. So not only are we asking these officers to go out and put their lives in line, not only are we not fully paying them what they should be paid for for the job they're doing, but we're asking them to do it without being fully staffed, putting them at greater risk. But it's unconscionable yeah, what it's we're ridiculous. doing. Yeah. And it's more than ridiculous. It's yeah. unconscionable. And, and, but, and there's this thing that you're signing is actually pretty good. Like all, all it's really doing, I could be wrong, maybe there's more to it, but it, it just wants you to hire more cops and train them more. Yes. And that's Those like, that, that's, none of that stuff is like, none of the, there's nothing about militarizing your equipment. No. There's nothing about putting money in for cameras. There's nothing about surveillance. No. All they want, all this 
petition is, is there to do is to just hire more cops and train them better so that people so that they can actually be better at their job and there would likely be less instances of violence. That's exactly right. Like that. More community yeah. policing, better community trust. If they, they want, we're going to double police training. Okay, if this passes, Austin is going to have the single best trained police force of any major city in America, bar none. That should be something we should all take pride in. It's going to lead to, to less bad incidents. With police and and, and other and they individuals, they got to start incentivizing them to start doing jujitsu and getting blue belts and probably got that. Great they, they point. Do that. Let they me speak to that. Let right. me speak to that. Okay, because we actually put in there an incentive. Uh, well, let me, let me back up. In the, in the training inquiry, uh, doubling, we go from 40 hours to 80 hours. We believe that's going to include de-escalation training, close quarters combat training, the kind of things you're talking about, the kind of things they don't get access to now. Because in the 40 hours, they have to do basic core things. If they go to 80 hours, they're going to get scenario-based training, de-escalation training, advanced communication training, uh, close quarters combat training, those kinds of things that, that are going to make them better at what they do, better able to handle different situations, uh, and more likely to get a positive outcome rather than a negative outcome for our city. I, I, good. I'm glad that that's, what, that's what's yeah, on there. Absolutely. Because all the stuff that, that they're putting out is actually stuff that makes sense. Yes. We wanted a thoughtful and balanced uh, ordinance. We really did. Yeah. We, we took we took a lot of time. We went through eleven versions. We had lawyers. We had experts. We were really thoughtful about it. Good. I, I think it needs to be done. And I think that if we don't take care of this now, yeah, you, you have your guys like you know I don't want to be talking shit or dropping names, but you got your Bill Alshire. You got your guys like Bill Alshire. You know what I mean? Who will like you know fear monger and get like very emotional, very high strung, and people like that the big who who genuinely might feel like unsafe or whatever it is. Those are the types of people that would start advocating for. Um, much more enhanced and much more invasive measures that could replace a hi hiring more cops. So let's hire more cops now, so we don't have to deal with that. Yeah, I, yeah. That, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if he would if he would do that. I don't, that's a that's kind of a uh, hypothetical, but 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 sure, you could imagine a scenario where if we don't have enough cops for for quite a while and crime continues to get worse, the police department could look at other other alternatives. And those could be, you know, things that that, that, that that could threaten things like civil liberties and other things. So it's not necessary. It doesn't have to go to that, right? Good. Public safety is the single most important responsibility of local government. It's the first responsibility. You can't do anything else if your community is not safe. Yeah, and I agree with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's why Eric Adams is... Um, yeah. Eric Adams, a former police officer who opposes defund the police, who's an African-American man, just got elected New York City mayor. He and didn't he get is, elected. He won the Democratic primary. Okay, basically. Do you know who he's running against? Uh, he's running against... I forget the Republican. Curtis Slewa. Do you know Curtis Slewa. I do. I do. Yes. Angel, uh, Guardian, uh, Guardian Angels. That guy was you know that guy got like stabbed and shot numerous times, actively protecting people from getting no, robbed? No. Curtis Slewa is an amazing person. Now, he's he's at times become a little extreme over the years. But yeah, he's unfortunately not going to win. That, the, the, the New York's like 90% Democratic. Yeah, but that's a real New Yorker. Like, that's, no, he's a, he's a real New Yorker. No question. No question. But look, I grew up there but, like that's a but, real but like, keep in mind like new york has, has dealt with the, the consequences of defund as well now here's the amazing thing about austin the opportunity we have on november 2nd austin can be the first major u.s city to effectively overturn defund the police through a citizen vote good i think that's a powerful statement we can make and so for everyone out there if you like what we're talking about you want the city to be more safe you want us to have a minimum a staffing requirement for police officers you want us to have the best trained police force uh, in the in the country join us Save Austin now, PAC, save Austin now, pack.com. Join us. Hey, Matt, before we wrap up, yes. we got to talk about this fucking voting shit. Sure. We have to. Sorry about the, right. lang the potty language. That's um, right. I'll make sure my mother does not watch she this episode. Watch this no. I, yep. He's a bad, yep. bad word. Yep. Okay. So, um, there are these voter integrity bills, yep. right? And people are calling it suppression. Maybe like some of the, the Sunday voting, some, there's a couple things that someone could raise questions with. For the most part, it seems like they got rid of whatever was questionable. All they did was ban 24-hour voting. You got to have an ID to, you got to show an ID to vote. If you request a mail-in ballot, you have to send in your driver's license and or your last four of your social to make sure that's you and submit that. I believe when you drop off your ballot. Yep. Why is that a problem? I don't know. 
Um, I, th- I I don't know. I mean, I, I really, if you look at the actual substance of what the, what's in the bill, it's so much less than the way it's described uh, for, for being quote-unquote controversial. I read, I read the bill. I'm like, wait, none of this seems that bad. Maybe it's I not that bad. A, it's not that bad. And, and honestly, you, you, got, you got to remember, the entire reason this is happening is that Democrats put a fundraising official in as their top election official in Houston four months before the election. Guy had no experience ever working in an election. He went in there and he used he tried to use emergency provisions related to COVID to do all kinds of things. And the state of Texas, through the Attorney General, Ken Paxton, won 13 out of 13 lawsuits. Or we would have had crazy stuff happening here like we did in places like Pennsylvania and Wisconsin and Michigan and Georgia and Nevada and other states. So we didn't have those things in Texas. We had two things happen in Houston. One, in Houston they had drive-through voting. Yeah. Now that affects the... Uh, the sanctity of the vote because you have a person bringing the machine out, you have a person standing there, you're voting, maybe you have someone with you, then they take it back, you don't re- even really know what happened. Okay, so drive through voting has that issue with it. Second is they did have 24 hour voting, I think it was on one day, one day. And the problem with 24 hour voting is you have to have people who can work the polls for 24 hours. The machines have to be uh, recalibrated and, st- and, and, and tested and all those things. And that doesn't happen. So we're going to have uniform rules across the state of Texas if this bill passes. The Democrats are already starting to fold. They're only nine short of a quorum now. Uh, they were something like 22 or 23 short when this started. So, so they're, they're coming back? They're coming back slowly. Now, it may, it may not be during this special session, which ends, I think, August 7th. It may be the second special session. Uh, we'll see. But it is going to happen. So the Republicans we'll are going to pass an election integrity bill so in Texas. how do you know that, though? I mean, it doesn't, like, this, this has happened twice where they've broken quorum. Like, how do you ensure that we have safe and secure elections? Because I feel like if we don't, I feel like if you, um, keep, if, keep if you model mind. your yeah. voting process, yeah the way the federal government is trying to model its voting process, which I don't think that they have the ability to do that because you need 10 Republicans to support that. They're not going to do that. In and the it's Senate, not US because Senate, yeah. Republicans yeah. are good or anything like that. That are like It's not because they're like really looking out for the people. It's because the people that happen to vote Republicans are way better at looking out for themselves and holding them accountable and giving them no choice. No, it's, Let me tell you what it is. I'll tell you exactly what it is. All it's right. that we don't want to federalize elections. But okay. We want elections to be conducted at the state level. Right, but I think that a big reason state why... State of Vermont and the state of Utah might have different ways they want to conduct their election. Yeah. Right? That's, yeah, that's yeah. reasonable. That's fine. That's the Democratic bill... HR1, the, the John Lewis uh, Voting Rights Act or whatever it's called, uh, uh, would federalize elections. You'd have national laws for elections. So you really wouldn't have state elections anymore. Look, if you're mad about uh, rules or whatever, you don't leave and go to D.C. You know, with Miller Lite on a private jet. What you do is you fight in Austin. You were elected to a job in Austin. If yeah. you want to you go to D.C., run for Congress. Don't get paid for a job you're refusing to do. Look, hey, they're going to come back. They're going to eventually come back. Their, their homes are here. Their families are here. The uh, money's going to run out. The, the, I mean, the, you know. I, do you think it will run out, though? Because they're you got to remember, six of them have COVID right now. Okay. Six of them have COVID. So they got to wait till they get to their quarantine ends. So that's part uh, of it as well. Sure. But when you, talk, when you talk about the money running out, you know, there are people with pr- pretty much unlimited Fed money, mega billionaires that are financing these guys. They could they could finance them all day if they. They have raised an like five hundred thousand dollars for this effort in the first couple of days. Eventually, it is going to run out. Okay, maybe they can go for a while. Maybe they're going to go for a while. I don't know. Eventually, they're going to get tired of living in a hotel in DC. I assure you. So I do think they're going to come back. The question is, are they going to get anything for this scheme? Are they going to get anything in return? And what the speaker has said, and what the, the bill author Andy Murr has said is. We're not negotiating with you till you come back. And so Philip Cortez from the Democrat of San Antonio 
just left, came back, and now he's at the table negotiating while the Democrats in D.C. are, 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 are not negotiating. Like, it, this is no, they're, still, they're still working through details. It's not too late. They're still working through details. It seems like based on the, how the first bill was drafted, it's already been negotiated plenty. It's been, it's been changed. Well, that's true. And it's been changed a little bit. A couple of the bad things about local judges being able to overturn elections. Yeah, that, that was yeah, taken out. The Sunday, the Sunday early voting thing was taken that's out. Fine. Yeah, those are, those are improvements. Those are yeah, mistakes. I'm glad they fixed those things. Yeah, that's totally fine. Yeah. I got no problems with that. I, yeah. I, just, I think that when you have unlimited numbers of people that can go vote at a drive through location, that's a fucking problem, especially with, you know, the, especially with, like, our security issues and whatnot. You don't want to have, like, vans full of motherfuckers coming in voting who you don't even know if they're legally able to vote, considering they don't want you to even request, like, show your driver's license or your social to get an absentee ballot. Like, there's a lot of real, there's a lot of real, there are a lot of real shenanigans that could happen. Of course. And keep, um, it, and keep in mind, you have to show, you have to show a, a, a photo identification to do almost anything of consequence in America. Pick up prescription drugs, yeah. get government benefits, get on a plane. But not to vote for in, in a drive-thru because you could just go not, drop off your ballot. You could dro- drop off exactly. your ballot. Ba- ballot harvesting is a real issue, and Texas is going to ban it. And when this when this bill passes, that'll be a very good thing. How do you ban ballot harvesting? Well, what it, what what it does, I don't remember. I don't know if it if it, if it uh, uh, expands the penalties. I don't remember exactly what it does. But you can still do a lot of things that are banned and get away with it. Like how do you st- like? Yeah. So the question is, are you having one person go around and collect a bunch of mail ballots and turn them in? And are they affecting those ballots? Look, you, what you want, you, you want the vote to be between the person that casts the vote and the machine. That's what you want. Anything I, else in between yeah. that raises the risks of, of, of interference. I honestly think you should just go vote in person and you should only vote by mail if um, you have a special circumstance. We have, really very narrow, we have very narrow rules for mail ballots in, in Texas. Yeah, you can only, only if you're over 65 or if you can prove you are out of the county on election day. Those are, I believe there's those are the only two of, There's a lot of people over 65 who live here, Matt. No, I understand that. I understand that it's it's a it's a it's a it's a benefit for over six for, for for senior citizens who have less mobility, um, and and senior citizens do vote in very high numbers. So I don't think we're looking at changing the, the rules for over sixty five. I don't believe that's the case. All right, but yeah, but still, I think that it, when it comes to collecting, because you got to collect the mail in ballot. Sure, right? sure. It's got to be. You have to have a like a hardcore. You got to have kind of. It's, you kind of have to do it like you you get like a um a, like a hardcore like libertarian and a hardcore like socialist like they go to collect it together so that this way they make sure that nobody's so you have election it. judges in both parties right okay. that are watching the polls you have election judges in both parties that are there when the counting's being done for that very reason so that that principle is already in play but look we're going to see what happens with this they're going to come back the special sessions eventually going to happen the governor's going to call 14 straight special sessions if he has to so i don't think it's, it's not going to come to that just call another one right away immediately right away I believe we're right going to get arrested. We're, we're like, how is that going to work? So keep in mind, like they're talking about, I'll go to jail for this. I'll, I'll go to jail. I, their jail is getting jail. cabin in the legislative office where they get to eat pizza and get food whenever they exactly. want. Exactly. When they re-enter they the state, leave until they when they re-enter the state, when the when the state has jurisdiction, they will go get them and bring them to the Capitol to do their job. Period. That's it. That's all it is. So that, I do think that I do think that could happen unless they negotiate it. If they don't want to have the, that happen, then then they'll negotiate it. They'll come back. They'll do their job. They'll finish the special session. Bills will pass or bills won't, and it'll be over. And it needs to be over. Yeah. Last thing we gotta during the special session, we gotta limit the executive power of the governor. We gotta do it. We gotta do so it. So they they addressed that I think a little bit as related to COVID during the regular session. I don't remember what the actual Nothing, outcome was on that. Happened. It may not have been as far as you wanted, but 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 you know that is something that you've heard some people talk about. No question. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. That's got that that's that's priority. And then one last thing before we go. Presidential uh, hot take. Who do you want? Who do you want in the Republican primary? I'm a huge fan of Ron DeSantis. I oh, dude, high five, dude. Fucking Ron DeSantis. I just I just hosted right. a, kind of a fundraiser, right. hosted a fundraiser for him in Austin about six weeks ago. 
Uh, he's a tremendous leader in the state of Florida. He's he's uh, a Navy JAG officer. He's brilliant. He's principled. He's courageous. He's, in he's my definitely view, courageous. Look how he handled COVID. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. No, that, he's that, been proven right on, on almost all the big yeah, calls. Yeah, that guy, like, I, I think Donald Trump running as the Republican nominee would be a fucking disaster. I don't think he will. But we'll see. I Trump's unpredictable. If, I think that if something like that, if I was worried about something like that happening, no lie, I would just go hang out outside Mar-a-Lago with a Ron DeSantis sign for days on end and try to get a, a bunch of people to do that, to just send the message that this is uh, we're, we're a long, We're a long way off, right? We're, uh, we're, we're, we're three and a half or so years away. Uh, but, yeah, I think DeSantis has, has a tremendous opportunity, and, and he's, he's done a great young, job. And he'll, get, he'll appeal to young voters. He, you, can, you can tell right off the bat that he actually will uphold the freedoms that we have as American citizens. Sure. And I think he can actually do a lot of the stuff, a lot of the good stuff that Trump wanted to do. There's a lot of bad stuff that Trump wanted to do that didn't get done, which is good. But there, there is good stuff that um, he'll probably Trump, have a similar agenda, maybe different in some ways, but di- similar agenda in a lot of ways. But he won't have a lot of Trump's baggage, and I think yeah, that does give him a chance to be very that successful. Ron DeSantis seems to like Bitcoin too because of the mayor of Miami and whatnot. He seems like he'd be more embracing of some of like these newer digital currencies that sure. are going to be a lot more. There's a huge tech boom in Miami right now. Huge yeah. tech boom in Miami. So right now. I think that uh, Ron DeSantis presidency, people cool. people get so scared of that shit too. But I, I think that that would be one of the best things if that would save our country. I think. It could, it could. Long way, we're a long way off though. Right. Well, hey, thanks for having Matt, me again. Thank you so Enjoyed much. It. How do we get? It. Hey, how do we get a hold of you? How do we get a hold of so you? So people can follow me on Twitter at Matt McCoyak, M-A-C-K-O-W-I-A-K. My email is Matt at SaveAustinNow.com. Send me jokes. Send me insults. Uh, send me feedback. Uh, let dick me know if you want to get involved. Dick pics. Not those, uh, <laughs> please. Uh, but but you can also find me at SaveAustinNowPacPC.com where you can help us uh, ensure we have adequate police staffing in our city. All right. Hey, Matt McCoyak, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. Thanks. All right.